Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So here we are. We have made it through another week in paradise here. An abbreviated week for us Americans because we did have Labor Day off on Monday. And this week was a bit of a subdued week because we did have a shortened week. And also this week we had the 19th anniversary of 9-11. So, you know, we had the usual, well, not even the usual. A lot of it had to be curtailed because of COVID. Like you didn't have sort of the, the event in New York City that you normally have where you have large crowds of people because we're not supposed to do that anymore. But we did have the usual kind of mini meltdown on the internet and people putting up garbage 9-11 takes on 9-11. This year we got treated to the takes of, well, this many people died in 9-11 and this many people have died from COVID. And it's like, those are two entirely different things. Can we please not conflate the two? One of these is a pandemic and the other one was a terrorist attack. So yeah, that just, you know, but that's, that's where we're at now. This is what we do every 9-11. And next year is going to be the 20th anniversary. And oh my God, I'm already not looking forward to that. But let me go ahead and start where I always start. And that is with the unemployment numbers. And there is a bit of good news on that front. Uh, for the week of August 5th, we had 884,000 new in- initial unemployment jobless claims, which we have now managed to string together two weeks in a row of under a million. So bright spot, maybe a little bit. Still horribly bad numbers, but it's at least we had two weeks of declining numbers and they're under a million. And that's what passes for good unemployment news now. But on on the front of how many jobs we've actually gained back um, at this point, we're at about 50% of the jobs gained back from what we lost at the beginning of the COVID epidemic, which is good, but we lost roughly 20 million jobs. So we're still 10 million jobs in the hole, but at least there is some level of progress there. And I'm still very interested to see what's going to happen with the holiday season, which feels weird to even talk about. Yeah, But we are in the middle of September now. And so this is traditionally when we start talking about the holiday season, especially when you start talking about hiring and like hiring the the temporary workers, the seasonal workers, and kind of seeing what is going to happen with that. Like I said, on last week's weekly roundup, I don't see it happening on the, the retail level, like, like temporary workers that go to like into the mall and Walmart and Target and stuff like that, because I just don't see the crowds of people going into those retail spaces for the holiday season, um, I'm starting to see reports that stores are not going to be doing Black Friday because obviously you can't have massive crowds of people all crowded in on top of each other right now. That's not a thing you're supposed to be doing. So how that's going to be handled, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure there will be a seasonal uptick in, in employment. But like I said last week, I think it is going to be very localized around distribution centers. Um Maybe a little bit on the retail level, just to handle things like people ordering on site or ordering online and then picking up in the store. You might see a little bit of that, but I don't think it's going to be the usual seasonal like employment that we normally see for the holiday season. So fingers crossed that the unemployment numbers will continue to go down or at least maybe stay steady at under a million a week. Um... On the COVID stimulus front, 
At this point, it does not look like there's going to be anything out of Congress before the election. Uh, Senate Republicans tried to do what they called a skinny stimulus bill, which was still in the trillions of dollars. So skinny is very subjective here. But Senate Democrats shot it down because they said it didn't do enough and didn't address certain issues. So at this point, we're not going to have anything out of Congress before November. So as to where that leaves everybody on unemployment, um, kind of a grab bag. It seems like the second round of federal unemployment, the the Trump EO federal unemployment is starting to go out to states, but we're probably already at the point where that program is going to be exhausted. If not already, then in the next probably week or two. So I, I don't know what to tell you guys about that. So if you are still unemployed, if you are underemployed, if you're still trying to figure out what the hell you're supposed to be doing, if you're not back to work yet. I don't know what to tell you. And obviously anything coming out of Congress, especially if it's going to be after the election, who knows? It's going to be entirely dependent on what happens in November. I mean, I just, there's no way. I don't know. I, I am not confident enough to predict who is going to win this election. I think it's going to be very tight. I think it's going to be the kind of hot mess that is going to make 2000 look like child's play. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to know who won. Uh, hopefully sometime before inauguration day, we'll get that straightened out. Hopefully, maybe. But yeah, this is just going to be, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a hot damn mess. And I'm not looking forward to it. But moving on from that, um, I do want to go back and revisit the Trump slash GOP 2020 agenda. Because I went back and looked at this and there's some parts on here that weren't in the copy that I originally got, and it does address some of the things that I thought was notable that were left off. So I want to go ahead and just address those just for the sake of being complete. And also, there's some parts in these that I'm just I'm a little baffled by. Um, they do, at the end here, finally address foreign policy. So it's America first foreign policy. Stop endless wars and bring our troops home get allies to pay their fair share, maintain and expand America's unrivaled military strength, wipe out global terrorists who threaten to harm Americans, build a great cybersecurity defense system and missile defense system. Now, I'm not entirely sure how you're supposed to wipe out the global terrorist threat while also bringing the troops home. And then also we're going to expand our military strength, but we're not going to be using it. I guess I, I'm not entirely sure. This is one of those where you're just like trying to please everybody and trying to say the right things to all the right people. And it's just like, this makes no sense. This is kind of a contradictory mess. So as far as bringing our troops home, um, allegedly, allegedly, we are supposed to be pulling troops out of Iraq. Not all of them. Um, some 3000 are supposed to be coming out of Iraq. Where they are going, I do not know. I do not know if they are being sent back home or if they're going to be shuffled around, as in what happened when we pulled troops out of Syria. Those troops never actually came home. They just went other places. So kind of defeating the point, like the idea of ending the forever wars is to bring the troops home, not to just redeploy them to another spot. So remains to be seen on that. And then, of course, there is kind of the idea of, well, this is what's supposed to happen. Is it actually going to happen? Fingers crossed, though. 
we do need to end the the for the 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 endless foreign wars. Just please, somebody end the goddamn wars already. And then the last one is defend American values. Continue nominating constitutionalist Supreme Court and lower judges. Protect unborn life through every means available. Defund the defend the freedom of religious believers and organizations and support the exercise of Second Amendment rights. I mean, obviously, whoever ends up winning in November, I mean, there's going to be Supreme Court nominations that are tied to that. I mean, I just, I don't see Ginsburg lasting another four years. I don't see Breyer lasting another four years. So that's two right there. I don't know what's going to happen with anybody else. But yeah, that's that's going to be a thing. Like whoever is the next president, whether Trump wins a second term or Biden does win, they are going to be appointing Supreme Court justices. There's just, there's no way around that one. And as far as protecting unborn life through every means available, here's the thing. Every time somebody tries to do an abortion ban, and we went through this last year when we had a spate of states try to do this, it always gets shot down in the courts as being unconstitutional for the same reasons that Roe v. Wade was decided that abortion was legal under constitutional grounds. I mean... (laughs) If Republicans were going to really do something, they would have done it by now. I mean, after all these decades of talking about it, like if you were really going to do it, you would have did it. But you need abortion there and you need it legal to have something to rally against. So, yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath if that is something that is important to you. I, like I said, they ain't done it yet. As far as defending the freedom of religious believers, well, we already have the First Amendment for that, but thank you for reiterating your belief in that. It's supporting the exercise of Second Amendment rights. Okay, Mr. Let's EO away the bump stocks and Mr. We'll grab the guns first and ask questions later. Really, dude? Really? But that is that. Just wanted to do that for the sake of completeness. I can't talk anymore. (laughs) The sake of completeness. And just so you know what the whole Trump slash GOP 2020 agenda is supposed to be. But to move on from that to what ended up kind of being the big story this week, although everything was just kind of subdued this week because people were busy arguing about pedophiles on the internet. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it came out this week that for some godforsaken reason, Donald Trump gave of his own volition apparently of his own initiation too, several interviews to Bob Woodward. Yes, that's Bob Woodward. And talked about all manner of things. And from what I understand, um, this was just Trump deciding to call up Woodward and just have friendly chats or not even friendly chats, but like going on record and telling him stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, you're... Wait. <laughs> I I, sometimes I wonder about Trump and I don't mean this in like a dementia sort of way, but in a kind of how, you know, we all thought that he really didn't want this job and maybe this is his way of trying to sabotage his way out of it. I don't know. I don't know what would possess this man to go on record with Bob Woodward and say the kind of things that he said, but the big kind of blockbuster revelation that came out was that on March 19th, um, they were having a conversation and Trump admitted to deliberately downplaying the COVID threat. 
And like I said, this conversation happened on March 19th. And yeah. Um, woo. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. There, there's been two sort of controversies that have spawned from this. The first one being what Trump said. And the second one being about did Woodward do the right thing or the wrong thing by sitting on that information until now? Let me start with the Trump side of things. It's not just that he downplayed the threat or as he has tried to kind of backspin it, saying that he was trying to maintain calm. If that were the case, if it were something where Trump went out in public and said, okay, we have this COVID and it's out there and I did a travel ban and maybe don't completely freak out, but hey, guys, maybe wash your hands and wear a mask, which, I mean, as much of a purported germaphobe as Trump is supposed to be, like, I'm still shocked that he goes out without a mask and like without a gallon of hand sanitizer next to him. Like, I thought... That was his thing. I thought he didn't like touching things and touching people and was afraid of the germs. But apparently, I I guess COVID doesn't count for that. But that's not what he did. What he did was go out in public and say things like how COVID wasn't a big deal and it was only going to like affect a tiny amount of people and was either going to disappear in April or somehow burn off during the summer, which none of of those things happened because it's September and we're still dealing with this shit. So it's not just that he downplayed it or minimized it to keep people from panicking. It's that he completely dismissed it. And then that's kind of what started this whole freaking culture war that has popped up around COVID. Like if it was a situation where he had just like gone out and said, and but what's been reported about what's on the tapes, Trump admitted that he knew that COVID was deadly. Like if you would have just said that, if you would have just said, okay, you guys need to go and take some precautions and don't, don't freak out or anything, but you know, maybe just go buy some hand sanitizer and wear the mask, you know, just, just simple stuff. Just do the simple stuff and we'll be all right. Then maybe we wouldn't have had the panic that we did have because it would have been nice. I mean, and and of course I don't expect this out of Trump. I don't expect anything out of him anymore, but to have somebody in the White House offering some sort of guidance and direction as to what states should be doing as far as not panicking because we panicked and shut everything down and now we're still trying to deal with the aftermath of that. I don't know. It just, oh. And then there's the idea of whether Woodward should have said something back in March. Honestly, I don't think it would have made a lick of difference either way. The people who want to believe things would have believed it. The people who didn't wouldn't. It would be, oh, it's fake news. It's Bob Woodward. And be like, well, we have it on tape. I don't care. It's fake news. Like, it wouldn't have mattered. I don't think it would have changed anybody's opinion of anything, really. I mean, it would have been nice to know for a fact that the president was full of shit back in March. Because, I mean, when I look back at this year... Okay, March 19th, at that time of the year, New York was already to the point where my friends in New York were telling me not to come, were telling me to cancel my plans, don't come up here, 
we it's it's bad things are shutting down people are sick everywhere people are dying like it was already like noticeably bad in march in new york city so it's not like it's not like it was an unknown thing but i mean it was just this whole thing has just been handled so poorly by everybody because we're run by a bunch of fucking jackasses and that's really the story here and it's not just trump it would have been nice if trump would have struck a less dismissive tone for sure it also would have been nice if the fda and the cdc didn't completely shit the bed on testing back in february and march so that maybe we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place and by the way why do we still not have testing why is this still like not a thing that i can just go on amazon and buy what the fuck it, 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 we're six months in why has this part not been figured out yet it's just Oh my God, this all could have just gone so differently if we had different people running things, if we had a different sort of environment where people actually trusted one another on occasion and actually were like, okay, let's just, let's not panic, but let's get the hand sanitizer. Like, it's just, oh. It's going to take so long to recover from all this. It sucks. It sucks so bad. And it's just another example of how the federal government managed to completely botch the response to COVID. It just, uh, it sucks. But like I said, I don't think Woodward saying something back in March would have changed anybody's mind, especially given that Trump had already taken this stance of, ah, it's no big deal. It's like, you know. There's a way that you could admit something is serious, but not like cause people to panic. I'm not saying Trump has that ability. Clearly he does not. But here we are, still stuck here in COVID hell because nobody managed anything correctly. So moving on to the last story that I want to talk about from this week. And I'm only going to touch on part of this briefly, because honestly, here's the thing. Everybody has been losing their shit over the Netflix film Cuties. This started even before the film came out, when the promotional material came out. And everybody kind of lost their minds over that. And the promotional material was not good, especially when you compare it to the original promotional material for the French version of the film. Basically what it is, is it's an adaptation of a French film about what apparently, and I, like I said, I'm reserving judgment because I have not watched it yet. I think I'm going to watch it. And if this really comes down more to time than anything, it's a story about a girl who has a pretty shitty home life and then finds this dance troupe and kind of latches onto them to find some kind of acceptance and some kind of like place in the world. And everything kind of seems to go to shit. And then these girls are like twerking and doing all kinds of sexually suggestive dancing I, I want to know, like, I want to watch the movie so I can see the whole movie instead of just seeing clips of the movie taken out of context or people just making assumptions about the movie. Like, I don't I don't know. I think a lot of people are reacting without ever watching the movie. And there's people that are reacting that have point blank said they're not going to watch the movie. I'm like, okay, well, then that's fine. But it, that, that just doesn't seem fair to me. I don't know. But of course, because this touches on the topic of 
underage children being sexualized. And apparently these girls are like 11, 12 years old. So obviously extremely underage. We're not talking about like 16, 17 year olds. We're talking about prepubescent girls. And of course, people feel a certain way about that right now because the whole child sex trafficking thing has just blown up over the past couple of it feels like the past couple of weeks, but really it's been the last couple of months because it seems like the the two kind of storms of QAnon met up with the, the online moms who have been sharing stories for years now about child sex trafficking and about how their kid was almost kidnapped out of the parking lot of Walmart, which it didn't happen. But it seems like these two things are merging together and making this like Superstorm of people very worried about child sex trafficking. So, yeah, it's just, woo lord, was just the wrong time to release this movie. But, I mean, Netflix couldn't have known that people were going to collectively lose their shit over a particular topic at a particular time. So, like I said, I will probably watch the movie. Maybe. If I have time. Like, honestly, I'm not. I, I try to give myself at least a little bit of free time. <laughs> And this would not be free time. This would be me watching stuff to make content. So on the backdrop of that particular story, though, and about people being very concerned about children and trafficking, it came out this week. And this this is all part of a case currently pending against the federal government that since March of this year, 8.8 thousand unaccompanied minors have been deported back down into South and Central America. And this has not caused as much controversy as you would think it would. Um, that that 8.8 thousand is out of 159,000 people total that have been deported since March under the guise of a public health ruling on COVID. So what was supposed to happen was that anybody who was found to be testing positive for COVID was to be deported and that people not testing positive were supposed to be allowed to continue along their legal path to asylum, refugees, citizenship, whatever it is that you are pursuing through legal channels. Anyway, what happened was it basically just shut down immigration into the United States altogether. And so here's the thing. That's a lot of kids. I mean, unaccompanied minors are kids. And it's not as if when the government deports somebody, they don't like make extra special sure to make sure they make it back to their front doorstep. They just kind of drop people off where the fuck ever and are like, all right, well, bye. And nobody seems to quite know where all of these kids were dropped off. But what we do know, and well, I say we, Everybody who follows immigration, especially during the Trump administration, knows that the rise of what were drug cartels switching over to human trafficking because of the amount of people that through MPP, through the Remain in Mexico program, through deportations, through how we force people to go through the asylum process now, like you don't do it in this country, you have to do it from Mexico has created this bumper crop of people who are very easily trafficked. Like they can just kidnap people and take them where the hell ever. And there have been plenty of stories, especially about women and children leaving the facility where you go to do your asylum initial kind of like paperwork, your initial credible fear interview. 
of there being cartel members waiting outside to snatch these people up off the street in broad daylight. Like, human trafficking exists. There's no way around that. It's where it's happening that people seem to not quite understand. Like, this isn't happening in the parking lot of Walmart. This is happening in very dangerous places that are just below the border of this country. And these people are probably being trafficked into this country to do sex work, to do regular, like, manual labor. I mean, this this is what bothers me. If you're going to say that you care about saving our children, but you ain't got time to pay attention to this, I want, whose children are you really saving? Like that R is doing a lot of work there, guys. Like a lot of work. And it just, it bothers me because like I said, this is real. Like I don't have to come up with some kind of crazy conspiracy theory about some cabal kidnapping kids and torturing them and drinking their blood. Like, no, I know where the human trafficking is happening. I know where child trafficking is happening. And it's happening where it's happening because of our policies, because of our immigration policies, because of our drug policies. We are putting people in danger. But nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to look at that. Everybody wants to look at Netflix and crazy internet conspiracy theories. And I'm just sitting here like, you know, right over here. Right over here, the horrific things that you're looking to find, they're happening right over here. Just right, just right over the border. Just a boop, just in, in our backyard. Not your backyard, but our backyard. And what's even worse about this particular batch of deportations, especially the unaccompanied minors, is that this violates our immigration laws and our anti-trafficking laws. Like, what the hell, people? And, and it's just like, ugh. like, please, please, somebody pay attention to the children. But the case that this is stemming from, actually, and this is another one. I don't have to come up with a weird, crazy conspiracy theory because this is actually happening. What happened is a group of lawyers had to sue the federal government to find out exactly what the federal government was doing with unaccompanied minors right now, because they're not putting them in like the the ORR detention facilities because of COVID. What they've been doing is putting them in hotel rooms in various places across the country and entrusting a third-party government contractor to supervise and take care of these children. So here's the thing. DHS and ICE have not been very forthcoming at all about where these children are what is going on with them? What are they doing? Where are they at? I've seen stories that apparently these kids, when they get to call their parents, they cannot tell their parents where they are. So let me get this straight. The federal government is keeping kids in secret ass hotel rooms, not telling anybody where they're at, not letting the kids tell their parents where they're at. The supervision seems to be very spotty, although we do not know the level of supervision because, again, the government will not let independent observers in to view the living conditions of these unaccompanied minors in the hotels. Excuse me, what? I, I, And then on top of that, we're turning around and denying these children their actual legal rights to due process 
to go through the immigration system. We're just turning them around and putting them right on a plane and taking them back to God knows where to have God knows what happened to them. Why is this not a bigger scandal? Like, I don't, I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to come up with conspiracy theories. I, I have this. <laughs> I have immigration in the Trump era. The federal government is keeping kids in hotel rooms. And actually, yes, some of them have gone missing. There's that too, you know, not really keeping super good track of who's where and when. And because they're not officially in the immigration system, they don't have like the tracking number that you would normally get if you were officially in the system. So yeah, just a bunch of kids out in limbo, hanging out in hotel rooms across the country. And nobody seems to be particularly concerned about this. What? No, 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 no. But again, it's just, I, I've said this before, and I'll probably keep making this point. Immigration is the most undercovered aspect of the Trump administration, and it's where some of the most horrific abuses have taken place. How those two things even go together, I don't know. Like, I don't, as much time as people spend making up reasons to be mad at Trump, like there's plenty of legitimate reasons just in this one area that you can be mad at him, like legitimately mad, but nobody wants to talk about it. And I, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. I, <laughs> we just took 8.8 thousand unaccompanied minors and just dumped them somewhere. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Just, oh, whatever. It's cool. It's fine. It's just immigration. It, it's just, uh, it just, it's other people's kids. It's, it's no big deal. I don't have to concern myself with that. It's not my kids. It's not my backyard. You know, they don't even really deserve to be here anyway. But yeah, it's just, the juxtaposition is just a little hard for me to take sometimes, especially when, like I said, you spend time toiling the immigration mines and you see some, it's, you see some horrible shit. I mean, I'm going to keep it real. Like, you see some pretty horrible, horrifying stories when you really follow and cover immigration in the Trump administration, in the Trump era. Sometimes you've got to kind of, like, take a step away from it from a little while because some of it, it just, it gets to be too much. Like, it's just, if you're somebody that cares at all about human suffering as a whole, not just people who happen to be born on the right side of the magic invisible line as you, it just, it, it gets to be a bit much. And this is like, that's, that's too much. Like this is too much. And I don't, I don't understand why there aren't more people upset about it, especially if you're really upset about children being trafficked. Like our immigration system pretty much forces people to be fucking trafficked. Like if you don't give people a legal way to do something, then they're going to go through coyotes or possibly even worse to try to get into the United States. And you, you, then you're part of human trafficking. Like, what choice do you have? And then you run the risk of pretty horrible things happening to you. I mean, there are some coyotes who are, you know, upstanding, reputable people. There are some that aren't. So it's just, I don't know. Maybe one of these years, people will start paying attention to immigration again. But at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I think we've gone on long enough. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. 
You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.